Hi, I'm Anna Soper. Welcome to Teen People, the podcast where I track down people from Teen People magazine. Where are they now? This week's guest, Tabitha Sukai, gives us an update. Tabitha is an award-winning digital media professional and social media strategist. She got her start as a Teen People trend spotter, part of a network of thousands of Teen People readers who contributed original content to the magazine, participated in focus groups, and advised Teen People's staff on local trends in their own communities. As a New York-based trend spotter, Tabitha had a close involvement with the magazine and its staff. This gave her valuable editorial and marketing experience in a major media corporation. In 2001, she jumped into an internship, or rather a series of internships, across the Time Inc. spectrum, but she began by working with Isabel Gonzalez, Teen People's Special Projects Editor and head of the magazine's Trendspotter program. Today, Tabitha uses her skills to uplift small businesses and mentor up-and-coming digital media professionals. Tabitha spoke with me in the fall of 2021 from her home in New York. It was, it was, wow, yeah, this, you're triggering this memory now. Isabel had an office in the Time and Life building and she, she had set it up so that she was sitting with her computer in that office and then on a, on a table in the same office, she set up a computer for me. And so we were working in the same office, which, you know, you think back now to, um, you know, the job market being completely flooded now after COVID and things like that those opportunities don't exist, right? Well, Time Inc. doesn't exist <laughs> anymore. That, that you know, like the entire company has folded, like merged with uh, Meredith and folded, but, you know, so much has changed. And so now to think back, yeah, there are probably kids who would like, I'd love to have an opportunity like that to work so closely with an editorial professional in the Time and Life building, sitting literally like a foot away from them. The real life uh, sort of trend spotter column <laughs> quickly sort of became a little bit of a yearbook that was reflective of just me and all my best friends, right? Because we would have openings in spots of the magazine that, you know, we couldn't fill and we needed just a quick, you know, kind of, you know, person to give us a quote for the front of the book or whatever. And um, now I love flipping through those and just seeing like my best friend from sixth grade, uh, from, from ninth grade, my best friend from, you know, that was a little perk <laughs> was just creating this sort of memory book, right? That, that was um, also something you could buy on newsstands, right? Uh, so, so that was, that was cool. And so it is a bit of a time capsule for me in particular. I do see how um, how the Trendspotter program and how that user-generated content lived on the page laid the groundwork for the work I would go on to do um, in social media marketing and, you know, where basically we took that experience and lifted it to pixels, essentially, right? When you connected with me on Instagram, you said that you had been 
in the March 2002 issue of Teen People, um, which has a really beautiful photograph of Britney Spears on the cover (laughs) and beautiful pictures of her inside as well. And I don't have that issue in my possession, but I did look it up in a database of um, periodicals through my public library. So I saw that you were in a thing about how to DIY a sweater into a skirt. Yeah. And um, and they had you, I think they had you modeling the finished product. Can you tell me a bit about that? That was fun. It was such, like I said, a different time. That shoot was a, a proper photo shoot, right? Like we went to a place and there was a photographer and there were like, you know, turkey wraps and, um, you know, somebody doing makeup. You know, now the lady who did my makeup for that shoot, I see her on QVC selling her own line of products. And like, it's just, it was such a different time, right? Now, you know, everyone can do a full face of makeup and, and, you know, a photo shoot is, is, uh, you know, something, you know, most young people do in an afternoon, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, it's like, hey, let's go to Dumbo. We'll do a photo shoot. It's like nothing. Um, so things have changed so much. And that shoot was a, probably one of a handful of experiences I had with, yeah, like I said, what a good JLo style photo shoot probably goes like. That tied into um, an interest I had in DIY, right? And so, you know, it was it, it was great and would speak to, you know, sustainable thinking now, right? I think it was, it's probably Levi's who just launched that polarizing sort of like uh, Jaden Smith, I think is in it, mm-hmm. um, ad campaign around, oh, buy well-made things. So you buy less and you waste, you know, um, answering to kind of like the uh, popularity of disposable clothing that, you know, cheap disposable clothing that um, that kind of, uh, you know, saw its, its heyday in recent years. So, you know, at the time it was just a fun way to, to, turn a sweater into a mini skirt but um you know a lot of I think that you know the underlying things there other than it being a cool fun thing to do and a fun thing to say oh you like the skirt well guess what (laughs) it was my dad's sweater um or whatever you know those themes I think are are timeless just yeah certain certainly now in terms of eco-conscious and eco-friendly thinking and all of that I read on your Instagram that your mom actually brought you to your interview for your teen people internship. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Up until that point, this internship, this interview kicked in. I'm going to guess it was, I'm going to say it was around senior year of high school, right? So like I said, it was this program meant to give students of color exposure to corporate environments and, you know, jobs they wouldn't otherwise have or, or environments uh, they wouldn't otherwise be exposed to, right? Um, certainly my career path doesn't look like any of my cousins or siblings' career path, for sure. I do remember that internship possibility, that opportunity um, sort of uh, presenting itself. I had never taken the train up until that point, right? Like my parents, you know, like I said, like they're your <laughs> pretty textbook protective Indian parents. <laughs> and so um, my mom drove us to school and, you know, we we had never, you know, had a need to, to uh, take the subway before. 
Um, but my mom definitely got on this on the train with me and took me to the Time and Life building, which, you know, as a kid who's, who, you know, who, who, who read 17, read YM, read, um, <laughs> read uh, you know, teen people, you know, to just to step into that building, which, you know, of course, like would be the building that the Devil Wears Prada was filmed in later, right? Like this legendary situation. Like I, I mean, I was obviously fangirling hard, even if my mom was like, what is this place? Who cares? <laughs> so in the way that a protective parent accompanies you anywhere, you know, uh, my mom did bring me um, to that internship interview, which, uh, you know, if you fast forward about, I guess, 15 years or so, I ended up getting um, a top women in media award where I thanked my mom and said, you know, it was my mom who brought me to my internship interview X amount of years ago and, you know, got me kickstarted on this career that I love and that I've, I've been able to kind of pivot with the times as far as how content was being distributed, you know, go from working in print to working in web to working in social and things like that. That was uh, my mom's supervised train ride. <laughs> To, uh, to Midtown Manhattan that, that kick-started that whole thing, right? I do remember fondly working at Teen People and it being, you know, someplace where you saw women of color leading in, you know, as, as editor-in-chief and um, you saw uh, a lot of diversity in terms of them bringing in interns and, of you know, just it was such an inclusive work environment that I have not succeeded at replicating in my, what, 20, 25-year career following that. And yeah, I, you know, it, it, it definitely got less and less diverse <laughs> as as my career went on right and you know the higher up you get then of course you know the the sort of less diversity you're seeing as well so in that way I think they were ahead of their time in that respect as as well right and it spoiled me a little bit right because then I expected to see that <laughs> always right um moving forward in my career and so um I think that's all part of the magic that you talk to people and they're so nostalgic for, for, for their experience there and working there. I think that's all part of the, you know, secret sauce that really like makes that experience so memorable, right? They were doing so much, so well, so long ago, <laughs> you know? Um, and maybe, you know, maybe that's part of the reason it didn't sort of, um, maybe they were ahead of their time a little bit. Uh, and so, you know, maybe there's something to that, but but certainly, um, I do think that, you know, um, everyone who, who did work there, you know, 
does believe in diversity, does believe in, in inclusive, you know, an inclusive planet, right, <laughs> where, where there's equity and things like that. And, and I don't think it's an accident that Team People did attract a lot of the same kind of really very open-hearted, very um, maybe idealistic, but also just um, very, you know, sort, sort of innovative thinkers and things like that in that sense. Why do you think diversity was such a key part of that workplace culture? I think that uh, particularly my generation, right? Like um, they, call, they call us, I guess, the elder millennials or whatever. But, um, but certainly I think with millennials, you, you started to see um, sort of more uh, ethnic diversity certainly than, than ever before, right? And, and now in, um, in my kids' generation, um, Sam's, I guess they call them Gen Xers, um, Gen Z, Gen Z, Gen Zers, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Gen Zers, um, Gen Xers are very different. <laughs> um, right. They're just, you know, kind of, um, further expanding just what, um, encompasses, uh, inclusivity further, right. When it comes to sexual identity and, and, and all of that in a way that certainly my generation just like, we weren't there yet. <laughs> For sure. I don't know that I've worked at another title that has successfully done that in the way that team people did. And I do think that comes from, um, you know, when I think back to my upbringing in Brooklyn with, you know, elementary school, junior high school is always just this melting pot of people. Um, and, and certainly um, it was very organic where now I think there's a lot being done in terms of discourse to formalize things. And um, certainly there's a, a, a much larger vocabulary around certain injustices and, and things like that. You know, I just, maybe it's, it's me just remembering, you know, back in my day type stuff where everything just seems simpler, perhaps. But, um, but certainly I do think that um, Teen People was representative, sort of, of a level of inclusivity that, um, that maybe, you know, the industry struggled with and, and sort of led to things going the way they went. Yeah, I think you see that in the pages of these Teen People magazines from back in the day. And so it's interesting to hear that not only was there diversity reflected in the magazine content, but then there was also a diverse workforce creating that content and facilitating oh, cool. that content creation. And for some reason that became something <laughs> that was harder to achieve. Um, just, I, I, yeah, and I don't know what to peg that to, but it did seem that the pipeline, one way or another, did uh, kind of change, right, over time. I was an intern at Teen People for my entire uh, career there, just had jumped from department to department, um, and then, you know, finished college because that was important once. <laughs> And, um, and, and then moved on to other titles right in the Time Inc. building. But even to take an internship that pays very little or doesn't pay at all is sort of something not a whole lot of, of kids can even afford to do. In high school, in college, like you are eating ramen and can't afford Starbucks. And, you know, you can't take that job that, you know, is going to give you this sort of invaluable experience. Yeah, I think back to the internship that I got then, it was through a program, sort of an affinity group program, a, a diversity um, geared program that, um, that did allow me to do that and also uh, get paid for it. Those opportunities are less and less now. And so there's, there's a little bit of 
perhaps, uh, you know, inequity there in terms of who can afford to take that free internship and who can't. A lot of the conversation around corporate hiring following 2020 was uh, basically, I'd love to hire that unicorn, that, you know, um, rock star who's, uh, you know, also um, a person of color. But yeah, I just, they don't exist. And the conversation often became, well, <laughs> just because you don't know them doesn't mean they don't exist. <laughs> like, I promise you we're out here. Um, uh, it's just that um, perhaps your network needs expanding, right? Um, and so, yeah, maybe you do have to then activate and speak to people that normally you, you wouldn't on a weekend or whatever. Um, and I think that people underestimate just how difficult that is for um, people at all levels, you know, in business, in corporate, and not. Particularly when they're, you know, people are, are coming under so much scrutiny for, for, you know, a tweet they sent 14 years ago or whatever, right? It, it, it is going to make people a little uh, uh, hesitant, maybe, to, uh, to uh, you know, um, have conversations that, yeah, are, are difficult conversations. To go to uh, a white executive and say, hey, you're doing a thing wrong, that's, uh, yeah, that's emotional labor for me. That goes against everything I've ever been thought, taught as an Indian kid, right? Um, <laughs> Um, you know, I still have a hard time, you know, telling my dad the air conditioning is too high. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of um, sort of uh, straddling a lot of identities and things like that. And, you know, taking, you know, that, that bird's eye view of just my whole career. Um, like I said, for, for my most inclusive professional experience to have been a teen magazine a bajillion years ago is so sad. <laughs> so sad. Why did you become part of the Transpotters program? Oh, um, I, I was very much a, a sort of magazine lover at that age as well, right? Um, and that to me seemed like a way to, to kind of get in the door um, and certainly, you know, to meet people, turn that focus group about lip smackers into, you know, a conversation with their internship coordinator. And so, you know, I, I just thought that the access it provided certainly would be useful, if not fun, right? <laughs> um, for someone who, who loved the medium and and maybe wanted to work in that space, right? And so I was always kind of planning planning for the future, I guess you could say. The Transpotters program did, in 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 its own way, um, create that platform, right? That now you know maybe teen YouTubers with a million followers have, right? It was a very early version of that, and certainly you know was different. But but I, I can see how that kind of program would lay the groundwork for a lot of, you know, uh, let's play streamers or, or building that sort of niche community, right, around um, a very specific thing and finding your audience that way. The way we created the content was very different, but I, I could see how um, that was a small step in, in sort of the direction of, of kind of what we're seeing today. I like that you went into that 
with a goal that you wanted to get an internship? Definitely. I mean, I think that I am, I'm probably the first person in my family. I mean, my parents are immigrants from South America and and immigrants just have a very practical way of thinking about things, you know, <laughs> you, you're, you're going to work because you need to make money and, um, and, you know, doctors and lawyers get paid a lot. So maybe do that. <laughs> Um, and I think that I was, I was definitely sort of, I mean, if you ask a lot of my relatives today, what it is I do for a living, I don't think they could really answer you because it's so sort of foreign to anything remotely traditionally practical. <laughs> right. Um, I think that most people are consumers and never think they can cross that bridge over to becoming the content creator. That's sort of um, uh, delivering that message. Right. It was sort of something early on that I identified where I was just kind of like, wow, I like this thing so much. What if I could help make this thing? Yeah, I don't know what made me what made me think or have the audacity to think that um, I could I could be somebody who was creating a message for other kids like me. I guess I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I'm, and I'm, and I'm glad I've, you know, now been in, in sort of the industry in one form or fashion, uh, geez, maybe 18 to 20 years now. So. Hmm. You've mentioned your parents a few times in our chat and you've mentioned your son as well. So it sounds as if you have a close unit of people around you. And I was curious to know, what advice, looking back now, what advice would you give your teenage self today? Wow. Um, what, what would I tell that person? It's really interesting because, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything particularly positive or benefit, like, yeah, to, to really say. And and I'll, ex- I'll try to explain that as sort of um, succinctly as I can. But um, I think I was way more confident and hopeful back then. I think things uh, got just more challenging in terms of, you know, like I said, feeling represented in certain spaces and feeling um, like I had a voice in those places and not feeling like I had to edit myself and things like that. I do think that um, things definitely especially coming out of 2020 got a bit heavier and, and like, you know, like we, like we talked about uh, trickier to navigate and, and things like that. I just, I think, I think what I would say would be just around the velocity of change that would, um, that would occur in, in coming years, right? Um, back when I started at Timing, there was no reality, I think, that any, Teen people staffer or any magazine staffer in that building would have said, "Oh, this building will, you know, this brand will cease to exist, <laughs> right? In um, as little as, you know, ten years or, or, or fifteen years, right? Um, I think that, uh, you know, the people working and, and Time Magazine still exists. To be fair, People Magazine still exists. To be fair, um, they're all, I guess, um, you know, owned by different." sort of entities. I just think what I would say, I would encourage that teenager to um, not lock on to any specific thing and just have a very agile growth 
mentality about things, right? Just that, that mindset shift of creating content that stops at the printing press. At the time, you know, magazines were the glamorous preferred way of delivering content. Back then, you know, you look at time and life building and it was like, for some people, you know, for magazine lovers, for journalists, it was like going to church, right? It was, it was this building that was, had such a footprint in Midtown and, and, um, and had such a, a stature about it that, um, yeah, you would never imagine, you know, um, I didn't see myself packing up my boxes, <laughs> leaving, uh, you know, what was now a Meredith building and timing ceasing to exist, right? Um, so I think, I think looking back, I would, um, I, I would uh, sort of encourage that young person to <laughs> um, brace for impact a bit better, right? Um, I was able to pivot and, and like I said, kind of know where to go in terms of doing what I did, but doing it for, for the preferred medium of the moment, right? Or for the preferred platform of the moment. Um, and so I've been lucky in that way and I'm, and I'm grateful for that. But yeah, you know, like we've said, just that rapid change, right? That we've seen happen over, over the last few years um, and certainly over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, I don't think any of us were like prepared for that. So if I were to back to the future to myself, I would definitely just like give a heads up <laughs> about just how, you know, it's unprecedented. I mean, as much as people were saying that godforsaken word um, when the pandemic hit, right? Just the level of flexibility and agility you had to have to kind of bend and not break, right? In, in, in how fast a lot of these changes were happening, right? Heads up on that, I think, is what I would give her. <laughs> <laughs> In the social media space, Tabitha is also a writer. Her articles have appeared on thisoldhouse.com, The Huffington Post, Real Simple, and BuzzFeed. Find Tabitha's work online through the link in this week's show notes. And you can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at teenpeoplepod. Also on Tumblr, teenpeoplepod.tumblr.com. this episode, please post a review or rating on your favorite podcast app. I'll be back next week with more untold stories from the pages of Teen People magazine. Until then, I'm Anna Soper. Stay well. <laughs>